Jersey is the world. Hi everybody, it's Chris Gathard and welcome to New Jersey is the world. Let me get all the business out of the way, right? You can get t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash Chris Gathard. Please join the Patreon at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. We do not do this for money, but we do pour a lot of time into it. So in this desperate effort to give you content that celebrates New Jersey, this place we love, this place that's endlessly fascinating, endlessly hilarious, endlessly strange, any and all of your, uh, of your, of your financial contributions are appreciated. And those are the ways that we set up extra stuff where you can help us out. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want to advertise on the show, you just go ahead. Yeah. Send us a message on Instagram. We're laid back about it. Might have some things in the works. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, this week's episode is an experiment. We're excited to put it out. It's the first time we've ever taken our recording equipment and left our homes, left our home studio setups that we usually use, and we went someplace on site. Uh, you may remember a few months back, we did our great bagel battle episode of Don Finelli's uh, food review portion of New Jersey is the World. One of the places that we went to was Bagels by Jarrett. It's in my hometown of West Orange. It's right there on, uh, right on Mount Pleasant Avenue, right by the Metropolitan Plan Exchange right next to where my high school girlfriend lived. So I knew the area well, and this place is catching all this buzz, man. Everybody's talking about these bagels. And then you follow Jared on Instagram, you realize, man, it's more than bagels. He's, he's really like a food madman, a food wizard. Got to know Jared a little bit. He asked me to do a, a benefit show at the High Lawn for some people who lost their homes in West Orange. He invited us to record at his chef's table, which is just a plastic folding table that he sets up. We went on a Sunday. So I wanted to answer the question, what's it like to be at a New Jersey bagel store, a North Jersey bagel store on a Sunday morning when things are as wild as they can probably get in that environment? Jarrett let us in. He fed us. We saw the way that the gears turn. We saw the way that this business runs, the way this business moves. And we talked to Jared and his cohorts the whole time. We've got that audio for you from the ground as it was happening, us reacting. We've cobbled it together, and I hope you enjoy the experiment. Also want to say that uh, not one, but two members of our Patreon community um, were able to join us. We were able to say, we basically, Jared said, I said, can any way we can uh, invite some, some patrons along for the ride on this one? He said, yeah, of course. So um, what we did was we just said, whoever is available at the day and time, and has been subscribing the longest to us. That's the way we'll do it. You're not allowed to just do random giveaways over there on the old uh, the old Patreon. So I want to go ahead and say thanks to our old friend Josh Goldfarb, who's an old West Orange pal who's been subscribing forever. He came by. And our friend uh, Jessica Pruitt-Barnett. Thank you for coming to Bagels by Jarrett, for offering up your thoughts, and for supporting us for so long. It was so cool. And I hope we get to do more stuff like that in the future. And now we take you to the sounds of a North Jersey bagel store on a Sunday morning as we attempt to be flies on the wall within the madness that is Bagels by Jared. Now the power has gone out, so it's we've been informed that 8.20 is when shit hits the fan. And it's, it's 8.11 and half the lights just turned off in the entire store. Nick's running around. Nick's the manager. Everyone else nonplus. Okay, power's back on. Seems like that was actually a complete non-issue. Okay, things are heating up. So things are heating memory, up. If memory serves, it was your brother, 
I know is your brother. I'm gonna now turn off the mic because we're committing. We're we're now talking about crimes we committed in high school. I mean, I think it was Fran. Eddie Ragu was involved. It was me. You were there. Okay, I'm gonna turn off the recording. Literally just put on the table. I picked up everything. So there's a few things happening right now that I want to just note. Scene-wise, it seems like Ed's got the first orders flying out. So there's a metal table next to us, and Ed stands there like. Like right at the door, facing the door, as if like the demon hordes are attacking. And then when the cars roll up, he grabs the bags and just sprints out. The thing I'll remember most from Bagels by Jarrett is this guy Ed. And let me talk to you about the system that Bagels by Jarrett seems to work by. And I'm sure there's all sorts of things under the surface that I didn't see from our our morning spent there. But here's what what jumps out: everything's moving. Constant activity, constant motion, people running from spot to spot, orders being called out as they come in, supplies being moved from one location to the other, things being cooked, things being packed, bags being placed on this table out front. And then you got Ed, because Ed's the tip of the spear. And Ed stands still in silence, leaning against that table, looking out the front door, just waiting for cars to show up. And when the cars show up, he looks out for their license plates he matches it to what's ever on those bags. He runs that person's order out to them. And that's how it goes. I found that really fascinating. That when you order, you order online, and then you get a time to show up and pick it up. And when you show up and pick up, what you see is you see this nice guy laid back, walk out with a paper bag, and he hands you your food. He says, thank you for coming. And you get to go and you get to eat some really delicious food from Bagels by Jarrett. But what you don't see, what we saw is the order comes in, and from that point, it's motion, it's activity, it's a beehive. It's Jarrett overseeing everything, and then a, a small handful of people who have already, in the short time this business has been around, have come up with this shorthand language, just barking things out. Not constant chatter, just, here's the, this needs to happen now, this needs to go here, this type of order needs to happen, this adjustment on that. And it's like worker bees. It's like looking inside a beehive or, or, or like an ant farm where everybody's got roles to do and they're moving around. And if you're not in there and you don't know the secret language, even having sat there for many hours watching, I can't say that I know exactly how it works. But what I can say is that it's just constant movement and motion from the second the order comes in to the second the order comes out the door. But in the midst of all that, you got Ed. The calm, the eye of the hurricane, standing there watching, waiting to burst out the front door and hand you a paper bag. And you don't even know how much activity went into that happening. It's pretty cool to see. We got that happening. Mike D and Bonaduce are here, so that's a very good thing. We got everybody else is cooking. Less than Jake blasting, which I love. I love. I'm also at this table right now uh, are three people who were with me when I saw Less Than Jake in Nick's backyard. So this feels like a weirdly full circle moment for me. But the orders fly out, and I'm kind of amazed that that's Ed's job. Like, Josh, you can vouch for me. He's literally leaning against the table with a smile on his face, facing the door so that when the car rolls up, he can just be out. Like, yeah, I don't understand how somebody whose job it is to deal with customers who really want their food in the morning right now can be smiling the whole time. I, that is not the job for me. That is not it. We also, Jared uh, is floating us a bunch of food over to our chef's table. He dropped an everything bagel with vegetable cream cheese. And I have to say, like, Bonaduce, this bagel, this is no joke over here, right? 
Yeah, well, I live in South Jersey. There's no good bagels, even though people think there are. But this I haven't had a long time, so. And now, Jessica, you're on our Patreon. Thank you so much for subscribing. You've had this bagel, and you eat here a lot. I have to ask you, the fact that this was ranked the number 19th best bagels, can you imagine 18 bagels better than this in the state of New Jersey? No, not at all. This is definitely the best bagel. It's a ludicrously good experience eating this bagel right now. So there's a lot happening here, sensation-wise. We're overwhelmed by the bagels. Jared is successfully bribing us with this, this addictive bagel. Ed is stalking the front room like a madman. We've got people restocking things around us everywhere. And I have to say, again, Josh and I walked in here probably around 7.45, and, and it's now 8.23, and every single worker has not stopped moving. It's like... It's almost like a beehive-like vibe where it's just everyone's bouncing from thing to thing. But it's also, like, oddly quiet in that, like, nobody's shouting out orders. Like, everybody knows their job. It's a lot of, like, unspoken communication. It's just understanding of, you know, when the order comes in, I do ABC, you do DEF, and it's it's run remarkably well. It's it's very clear here. Everyone knows what, what to do. Jared, now... When we first got here, Jared was, you know, Jared's a very charismatic guy. We were shooting the shit, but now he is over a grill. There's flames coming out of it, and it's just movement, movement, movement. Orders being cooked. No time to slow down. And it's, yeah, like Nick just slammed shut that case, and then somebody else walks up, immediately opens it to grab something else. I drop cream cheese everywhere. Jessica's cleaning up after me because I'm a monster. All I do is gum up the works and make a big mess. This is, it really is, I think there's five, maybe six people working here. And it is kind of shocking to see how much is happening with so few words. It probably gave them the ability to do all these other things. Because you don't have customers coming in. You're not, you're not ordering like, you're not making up to order at that My moment. Team. This is one of the best things I've ever had. I mean, Sorry, I'm sure that's eat? insane too. What was that? Potato. Oh, it's like knish? Oh, okay. It's a, like instead of the fried chicken on the sandwich. Yeah, no, I love knish. I cannot eat for like at least a half an hour. <laughs> like I'm right here. If I go up to here, go over. I haven't had a good condition like years. There's like a German butcher down near us and he'll make like stuff like that too on the side, but it's still not the same. I know. Like even when you buy them at the store, like you know, like the famous knishes and they still suck because they're not a real knish. It's hard to buy good like Jewish deli food in general. Even like the places that were up here. I mean, um, what's it called? It was good. Appy's was like... They're still pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm sure. What was the place past the circle the guy opened up right past uh, on the left over there? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, they closed. He didn't make it? Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't bad. No. That wasn't bad. The Hobbies is closed in the pandemic, right? The North? I've never been. There's that famous place, Hobbies. Hobbies, And the other bag, I'm going to do probably four. You're in the meat, I thought. I don't. I don't. No, you should. Just peer pressure. But he drinks the grease from Jimmy Buffs. I will eat Jimmy Buffs See? potato sandwiches and they cook the meat in it. I can't, that's I mean, that's I, like Nixon saying, like, the deep fryer shit. He can accept that. Like, like, we're good with stuff. Like, 
we just had a, um, like before we had two rigatoni's back to back, one had chicken with it. So like, I always make sure to cook the first one without the chicken, like. Dumping yeah. it after. My sister's vegetarian forever. And like obsessive, like don't, that spoon touching this, so I've always had to be like absurd when cooking. Mm. Right. No, babe. Really you grew good. up in Bergen County, right? I was in Woodstock Lake till like middle of seventh grade, mm. and then we went oh, to man. Morris County. We had like a oh, like prices, bought like million dollar house, Porsche. That's great. Yeah, really yeah. <laughs> so I'm wondering, like, if the pandemic <laughs> didn't happen, would they be able to do give me a wraps? Because you can't go into a place and just order this and have it done quickly, you know? You need that, that lead time that they're talking about. So I'm wondering if, in a way, the pandemic allowed him to do all these crazy things. Yeah, that's a great question when, when this man has a moment to slow down and answer. There's a question that's been posed. Do you think the pandemic didn't happen? I don't think this ever would have happened without the pandemic. I was opposed to it uh, going curbside at first. I was a bully. I was like, oh, two weeks flat in the curve. Like, why do we have to do this? And back then, we were only open two days a week because it's all we could handle. We were open Wednesdays and Saturdays. And lines out the door sold out every single day that we were open. And it was a Wednesday, and people just stopped coming. Like, no one was here. And we were like, holy shit, we have to become a curbside business, like, right this second. And so we put a handwritten sign on the door that says, we're now a curbside business. Um, and once I posted that we were curbside, that you could just order when you pull up and everything, people started showing up that day, and like that day was great. Um, and then, uh, I mean, the rest is kind of history in a sense, but I was really pissed to do it because the shop was built. So like when we were open, both of these were lit up and filled with spreads, chicken salad, cream cheese, etc. And the goal, like the reason there's no doors on them, the goal was that customers would be like this. There's a pole here that you have to walk around this way. Um, and this is terrible for a listener. <laughs> I, I, I can, I'll go to After Effects and draw it for you. Um, but the goal was that customers would have all of these containers in their hands and have spent $20 before they even bought the bagel. And it worked. And I realized that when we were going curbside, that that was gone. There was no more impulse buying. There was no more looking like these containers, like there were LED lights. The containers are super clear in comparison to the ones you see at the supermarket. The labels cost me 16 cents a piece. Like there was no value in that at this point doing that because it's not an impulse buy you're buying it online um but because of our prices and because of how i still want everything to look we still actually do it and still put expensive labels on and still use the most expensive containers um because i, I don't want to switch that on the customer do you think do you think the menu would have expanded like would you would you be making crack noodles and knish sandwiches <laughs> or would you just be slinging bagels in a more traditional way i think we would just be doing bagels honestly maybe we would have gotten into the fried chicken sandwich stuff but when we opened, I wanted like the most beautiful, clean shop. So 15 minutes before we would open every day, I'd walk out the door for five, 10 seconds. I'd walk in the door and just stop and look. And I would immediately just go, there's a Poland Spring bottle over there. This is over there. There's, there's flour on top of the mixer. I want, this place was sparkling every single minute that we opened. Um, we used to even be so concerned with the stove because like stoves, they get dirty. Like they, they, they get black from fire. <laughs> like, it's not normal for a stove to look perfectly clean every single day. Um, but so I didn't want anyone cooking during that time because I wanted the store to look so clean. I didn't want someone to see chicken salad, on like chicken going on the stove when, you know, raw chicken when they're buying their bagels. It just wasn't a good look. So we were actually like never cooking. We didn't do breakfast sandwiches back then. It was just bagels and spreads and like a few sandwiches that we could barely get right. You know, our first day we sold, uh, I think we sold probably like 30 bagels with locks and almost none of them had locks on them. 30 orders wrong? First day? I think over 30 on the soft opening. Everyone's sending me emails. Jared, the store's beautiful. Everything was great. My locks bagel didn't have locks on it. 
So I went into the system and I just wrote locks, locks, locks now for when it went in. That way, like you just saw the word locks three times in capital letters on the on the ticket in hopes that would train everyone to actually put locks on the bagel. Um, and then we realized we were putting it in the box and one day Nick and the guy who was working here at the time just kept going, locks in the box, locks in the box. And we're like, it actually works. Feck and tuna crunk, got it. Look at that, sending me, see, see how we communicate? That was <laughs> wild. Wow. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I thought I... It also gave me a theory that I was talking, a theory about cool things in New Jersey that I was talking to Roger at the brewery about at the end of the night, which is invariably if you find something cool or interesting that's happening in New Jersey and you meet the people who are running it or who have started it, they are inevitably old punk rockers to a person. Like, I'm waiting for someone to prove me wrong on this, but it's just every time. I mean, that's who the person running the cool thing is. It's really true. It's like... They have at least some tangential connection. Like, at minimum, even if they weren't a punk rocker, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I lived in a house in New Brunswick with members of Thursday. Like, it's... Right, right. At least some connection to the punk rock scene. Jared, how do you feel about this? Because you fit the bill. We were talking, we, we did a uh, like fan meetup at Four City Brewing in Orange the other day. Yep. And Mike was talking with Roger, and, and they were having a conversation about, it seems like whenever you find about something cool in New Jersey, it somehow connects back to the punk scene. There's like six degrees of the New Jersey yeah. punk scene, I think. I was actually about to say, because you look really familiar, so yeah, I'm so trying to figure I out. I know, I'm shocked. Have... I'm sure that we've met. Or, or and that's the thing I've somewhere. never talked to you about, too, because we were both in the scene, but I feel like we never connected in the scene. I'm a few years older than you. Okay. And I, like, these what guys. What bands were you? Like, who were you? And what were. My era was like Weston and Bouncing Souls were the big. Yep. They, they were still big local bands. Okay. And then the smaller bands were like. Felix Frump, Frump and Big Wig okay. and that whole era. Okay. Um, so I was just on the younger end of that. Like, Big Wig was on, like, my first comps that I put out and everything. So um, it wasn't too big. Weston was just the, the, sh- the shirt song. That was my only jam by them, <laughs> honestly. And I was always a Souls fan. My, my gym teacher in high school was uh, Greg Anito's uncle. So he let me get away with. We were like, we were the only kids wearing bouncing soul shirts. So he would let me get away with not changing for gym because I was the fat kid and I didn't want to change in the locker room in front of everyone because it was uncomfortable, an anxiety attack. So, but because I knew who the bouncing souls were, he let me get by. That's a very Jersey story that you just told. <laughs> That's a very Jersey story that you just told. Um, I feel like I've, every time that your store comes up on the show or anytime I mention that we're doing something together, People come out of the woodwork to tell me to tell you that they loved your band. Like they, I, a, my my pump, punk my pump, punk style bands or the other bands. I think the there was a the more, more popular emo, one. More emo band, yeah, right? Houston calls. Yeah, Houston calls get shouted out a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that. Do you feel like I mean that background and that work ethic has to tie in to what you're doing here, right? hundred percent. So actually, I always explain it this way. Um, you know, I started making the bagels at home and giving them out to friends, um, and that's kind of how you start a band. You you put on you put on your own show or whatever. That's what we did, and your friends come. If your friends think you're good enough, they tell their friends about your bands. They tell your friends about their bagel, about the bagel, right? And like it builds that whole way. Um, and you know, Nick, my manager, he was as I said earlier. He you know he toured the world with my band uh, doing merch. Um, and then we went into video. I, I was in video production when I was doing band stuff, but then I went into full video production. And, like they all tie together. It's all like yeah. problem solving and like figuring out how the fuck to fix whatever's broken that day. 
right? That's what Tori's about. Like everything that goes wrong and how you can get by and do it and not kill each other in the van. So those early bagels were kind of like your demo. The early bagels were my demo. I think that's reasonable. Then you put out and a seven-inch. the venue. <laughs> and our, uh, our podcast is like a fanzine, and that's kind of the modern equivalent. It all works. What's that? That's Taylor. I'm giving you tuna. Then I owe you beck and sausage. I had a ridiculous allergic reaction to the noodles. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> like my throat was what closing up. The noodles. The heat? Uh, no, I don't think it was the heat. There was something else in Ginger? there. May I don't know. It was a, like it's only happened to me one other time in my life, but it was something that was like vaguely Asian. Sesame, sesame oil? Possibly, yeah. That would make sense. I'm Sorry. getting out. No, no, I'm getting out. I'm, I'm, good. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to rock now. Right? Well, then they could use the podcast in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't, it wouldn't be coming back to West Orange if somebody didn't grow up in a parking lot. Uh, I've done that before. <laughs> now I can eat more. There you go. I know. I'm jealous. Oh my God. Wait, please say that again. I, I, <laughs> I puked uh, every single morning for the first uh, three weeks or so that this place was open because I was just like, this is not sustainable. Like, we were just killing ourselves. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. I've never been in the food industry. Oh my God. Like, I delivered pizzas when I was 19. I never worked in a restaurant. Like, I had no idea. And I remember the night before our soft opening, I was sitting in front of this fridge. There's like 10 people here helping me out. Complete chaos. And I'm just putting stickers on chicken salad containers. I'm like, this is not sustainable. <laughs> you can't run. Like, it almost felt like, like if I was doing it one time, right? It was this one pop-up. It's like, you kill yourself for this one pop-up. I'm like, no, like, I have investors. Like, we built this place. I, I have to keep going. <laughs> this, is, this doesn't work. So I would walk to my car every single morning at like, 3.30 in the morning, like pitch black out and just vomit. <laughs> I believe it. We used to like hand pull the chicken for the chicken salad. And like, we were doing like 400 pounds of chicken salad on a single day that we were open. The hand pull, like six people just pulling chicken. And then like, someone was like, yo, I saw like on YouTube, like what if you use like a hand blender like that you would make like cake with? And so we got that and then we just kept breaking them because we were doing so much chicken. They were like, Fuck, we have a fucking giant mixer. Why don't we throw the chicken in the fucking mixer? We're like, oh, that works. So like, but it takes time to figure that shit out, especially when you've never worked, yeah. never worked with like some chef who's like, you idiot, do it this way. Like you're killing, yeah. you're spending way too much time. So, you gotta, you gotta figure shit out. The, the ultimate hack now for pulling chicken, you throw it in the mixer. 164 mixer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm also, I'm also now like full to a point that's not healthy. <laughs> that's like normal for you though. Me being not healthy? No. I mean, no <laughs> like eating, we were talking about the other day, like eating an entire pie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're good for a little bit? No food for a little bit? I'm, I'm, I'm fine for a Cat while. Down? Yeah. There. Well, the biggest scam ever was you, you don't need cable anymore because you can just have like a streaming service. But right, and now you have now you need eight streaming services to like re so it's like, oh, we just recreated cable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we, yeah, we actually make more money now. Right. And, but it's still probably cheaper than cable. Yeah. I although if you have if you have like Netflix, 
Disney something for sports, right? Or, Who, ESPN. or yes, but like you're still probably looking at like seventy ish bucks a month. Right, plus the internet. Yeah, I pay seventy for like the high speed down and I have shitty opera, which is okay. What's the only thing now? It's the shapes like they we used to be cable vision was like shaped out here. Yeah, it was the only thing you could get. All became Xfinity or whatever it is now. Probably. We got clients here. I was really hoping for the Olympics they would bring back the Olympic triple cast. Does anyone remember that? No. It was like a weird pay-per-view service you could subscribe to where it simultaneously gave you three channels of the Olympics, which makes no sense because obviously you can't watch three channels of anything at once. <laughs> yeah, but now you can watch like you have three the big events. You right. can watch like the big events that day. Like the, whatever they're down. Yeah, it'll just be like Olympics on all day. Yeah. Like swimming. But if you want to watch like I don't know, biathlon relay. Yeah, so pretty it sounds pretty awesome actually. Yeah. Well, there was that gruesome injury in this year's biathlon. Oh, was there? <laughs> got shot? Penis got frozen? Yes, that, that's the one. How does that happen? Wait, was that in biathlon? Yeah. It was the second the so, it didn't stop after the first? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do their penises freeze off and not other winter athletes? I don't know. Right, here's your they laying on the ground? Down in the snow oh, yeah. Shoot. yeah, but how are you, you not laying down for that long? And you'd think you'd have, like, yeah, like right. where pants. People <laughs> I had, I was well insulated everywhere but there. I think he said that as some excuse to his wife. <laughs> I think he, like, had an STD that yeah, he had to get over it. He got chlamydia. He got from the portage on. No, no, no. It's from my sports. But it's just frozen. It's frozen. That's the problem. He's, like, waiting for the antibiotics to work. He's like, oh, we can't fool around. My penis got Man, frozen. Man, this spray's not working. <laughs> yeah, man. Yo. It wouldn't be funny if it wasn't true. Doesn't make him a bad guy. <laughs> Doesn't make him a bad guy, though. We had a bunch of, we had like a bunch of different Catholics over in the ball spits because of the proximity to like play class. And all the kids that grew up there were all like crazy Olympic kids. So what happened was after the Olympics, a lot of those people just stayed up there. So the guys that I worked for at the Blue Moon Cafe, um, they were losers. There, he was a luge guy. And then he wound up marrying the girl who was from up there, and that's how they got into the food re- uh, restaurant. And he wound up going to Paul Smith's and uh, Dallas. Why not going where? Uh, Paul Smith's where I went. So the where I went for serving, they were known for um, the forestry program, and then also they're really known for hospitality and, and culinary. Cornell modeled their hospitality program after Paul Smith because they own their hotel. And part of the program was you worked your way through the hotel. But I was just, when I did the short order cook up there, I was, it was a ski town. So in the wintertime, I mean, I was running the entire grill myself. And we had 25 tables in there. So I was just like, I had six omelets going at the same time, pancakes, French toast. In my bit, uh, all my bacon crap, sausage, all like that. Are you that. doing Four the back? Yeah. Can you do a sa- or no, I did that sausage, right? I, I, I had like waitress right? helping with toast yeah. and stuff like that. You wait for Gordon Ramsay to burst in <laughs> uninvited. <laughs> 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 you call up all these cable shows to try and get on there and help my business. Okay. When uh, I was watching a Gordon Ramsay episode, and a guy that I grew up with before I moved here, who I've told you guys about because he was just involved in a very 
high profile New Jersey scandal, but I was watching a like an episode of that about an Italian restaurant in New Jersey. And the guy who was like the big complainer was him. And he was like, oh, hey, I can't wait. I've been waiting an hour for my meatballs. And I'm like, oh, great. Of course. It's you. you know? <laughs> oh, he's a big goomba. What's that show where it's like the British guy, the bald British guy, glasses goes in and like tells you how to fix up your kid. I watched that show at the gym for the first time. And I was like on the elliptical watching it and I was in a rage I was like so this is just like some white British guy goes in and tells these immigrant business owners like that their kitchen is dirty and I was like this is fucked up like the premise of the show is fucked up it's the entire premise of it but like you work in that industry and somebody can like save your business but dude to go on TV and be like this is filthy this is filthy you're bad at what you do it was like humiliating the episode I watched was that guy in San Diego with like a Mexican restaurant I was like this is so fucking up dude I was so mad I'm not like setting the DVR of like I need more of this I need more of a man with a British accent telling like a small business owner I don't have regular data so I won't watch all the but he's not just randomly walking in like, these are people who, like, apply to the I Googled, dude, it was so bad that I Googled it afterwards, and the woman was like, yeah, like, they remodel, like, I knew I was making a deal with the devil, like, we got a free remodel of our front of house, so I had to do it, but then until, so I had to, like, sit there. Yeah. Starlight. That just drove past that place, that's real fucked up. Starlight Pizza, that Starlight Pizza was on that show. On that show? That's the dirtiest kitchen he's ever seen. Really? No. I mean, you always used to be able to look in there and see. Yeah. And now that place is closed. And now that place is closed. I wonder if that's happened? part of it. It's going to be an office. It's going to be a medical office. So what happened? They just sold, they closed the business? Bank they just sold. weren't making any money because I think the word was getting around that Starlink pizza is not very good. Yeah. People realized yeah, they could. I liked it when we were kids. You remember, like, you I know you good. guys went there, but we went there, you know? No, it was. Do you remember the fried potatoes you used to make there? Like the, I never got that. I mean, we would just go, like, that would be like. Grab a pizza. Get some pizza. Yeah, and it was. It was It was star, but it was, like, different. It was, like, a little bit. It was just more solid pizza. It's just. It had it gone downhill more and more. I had it. I had it. It's like. Listen. People. Dude, these, oh, that, yeah. up, these up the hill people. There was a point where yeah. our crew stopped going. No, started. not even for that. It was just, like. When you went in there, it wasn't like it used to be. It was like no, they're dicks. Off putting, yeah. Yeah. No, they weren't. That's, yeah, I mean. And the up the hill people realized they could just drive ten minutes and go to the star. Oh. Yeah. It has the same a similar name. Well, like the. Like being called when you know the best towns place in the country, you're gonna get a lot of people in there, and it, it did. Now oh, so I gotta wait like 45 minutes to get a pie, a star. Like my cousin's from Wayne. Yeah. They moved to Montclair. Like Montclair people now. Like yeah, moved down that Star Tap. I didn't think it was that good. I was like almost ready to punch him <laughs> in the mouth. I was like, well, what, I was like, what is your standard? You know what I mean? Like my whole thing is. I didn't, I didn't, There's no good pizza in Montclair. Like, this is my standard uh, for the best. Yeah. Yeah. My whole thing is, stairs, I go to a million like, different pizza bar. places. Every place is different, and every yeah. place is good for its own way. Yeah. It's just like these, you know, sort of factors. But, like, you have to appreciate stuff. Yeah. Like, Chandra and her friend Trey, who go up to this show, um, they got off the plane. Wait, this is the best story. Yeah. <laughs> they got, she's like, she started listening, so Chandra got 
a tray, um, whatchamacallit, uh, for a gift she gave her the Patreon for her birthday. So she's been living on the West Coast for like years now. So she started listening and she's like, oh my God. And Chandra doesn't listen. Because she has this thing, she's like, I, I was like, even that was the first show that she ever came to was one when I got shocked on stage. And I was like, oh my God, that's the first show you're seeing me. And I had a, I was worried that Bonaduce wasn't going to be able to be Bonaduce in front of her. But whatever, obviously, that's not true. So, um, so they got off the plane. They're like, she's like, I want to go to Jimmy Buffs. So they drive to Jimmy Buffs. It's Fat Tuesday on Fat Tuesday. So, of course, they both get like, you know, doubles. And then I was like, oh, if you're over there, so you can do me a favor. I was like, just can you go pick me up a couple pies at Star Tavern? So she goes over there and she picks up pies and she goes back. She goes back with like a half a pizza. That's what happened. <laughs> the rest of the, it was, she got two pies. She's like, She's like, we didn't even touch the Jimmy Buffs. She's like, until like they got home. And they're like, this is us. The pizza was between them as they were driving down the parkway, <laughs> eating pizza the whole way down. They're like, this is so good. But like, you know, if you've been like in West Coast, and she's like in LA, so she has access to good food and stuff. But I don't know if I ever told you guys this. So my aunt married a guy, um, and they lived on Eagle Rock Avenue forever in my grandparents' house, who he worked for the FBI. And he did like audio bugs. Like that's that's his thing. Department he worked in. And he got a call one day because my aunt was a server at the Star Forever. Um, and that's why I'm such a big Seton Hall fan because she was a Seton Hall bar. And she was a server there in '89 and '92 when their teams were really really good. And the teams used to hang out there. So she'd come home and be like, I got an autograph for you, this guy Jerry Walker. And I'm like, You got Jerry Walker? Like, guy I'm watching on TV all the time. But my uncle got a call one day and he like got called down to a different department and it was the organized crime division in Newark. And they're like, is it true you know someone who works at the Star? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, my girlfriend. At the time, he's like, my girlfriend. And they're like, we got to bug the bar. Um, and he said, he was like, it wasn't the owners. Yeah, um, they were, I thought they were cool. But he said like the mafioso used to like go and meet there during the day and like they'd go and get pies and sit and discuss stuff at the bar. He's like, we got to find a way to bug the bar. My uncle was like, I, I think he said there was like all sorts of procedures for him to remove himself from it since he had his girlfriend working there. It was either like, are you going to be like our guy to get us in or you need to be like 10 miles away from this for everybody's safety. Um, but then I asked my aunt about it and she had me laughing because she was like, she was like, the owners weren't like that. And she was like, we always laughed because those guys would show up and everybody knew who they were, but they had to sign up, stand online just like anybody else. Like the owners, it wasn't like a thing where they got to come in and clear out a space at a table and just get it. Like it was always very much like, if you guys want to come here, you play by our rules. I was like, this is weird place to grow up, man. My aunt is serving mafia pizza. Mafia bosses pizza. Yeah, right. This one's especially fun because usually we get yelled at for eating on mic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy you guys did it. I'm actually happy it was quite. I would have liked you to see even more insanity than what you saw. That initial but, uh, burst was a good glimpse. Yeah. yeah. And I know it wasn't even like. And that wasn't even, yeah. By your standards, but it was like, whoa, this is. Also, dude, like, Ed's job, that's the most fascinating one to me. Watching him lean against the table, waiting for the cars to shove. I'm like, that's a crazy job. Yeah. No, and then you have to think about, like, so yesterday, as I'm saying, we're slammed. You know, he's got all, all these parking spots are filled. You've got, like, seven door dashers standing there. And then someone pulls up and they're like, hey, I'd like to place my order. And he's got to be the nice guy. Like, because it's me, I'm just like, 
yeah, I'll take your order, but all these people pre-ordered, I gotta handle them first. You can order online. Like, it's so much easier to order online. Yeah. Like, why? It's the most what, people who get angry. They're like, why can't I come in? Why do you want to come in? It's 30 degrees outside. You can pull up. You can order online. You don't have to talk to anyone. Pull up. Get handed your food. No one judges you. Do you know what it would be like? We would never do tickets this size if people had to order in person because they would feel some people would feel ashamed ordering that. Like, can let me get let me get. Like right at the guy um, before who we talked who we talked to outside, right? He got like three different crunk wraps, three different buns. Like it was like a hundred and twenty dollar order, something in that range. You're gonna pull up and order that from someone, like with no one else in the car. <laughs> that is like, that's I feel insane like behavior. Feel shame. Like, yeah, like you know, potato, egg, and cheese, extra hash brown. Like there's already enough hash browns on it. Why are you adding another hash brown? It's a huge sandwich, but like. It's not bad when you just have to click a button and do it. <laughs> so the internet can allow people to act like their uh, most gluttonous selves, shame-free, and it, and it helps you out. Yeah, and I mean, we know this, like, for me, like, when I DoorDash something, like, it's just my wife and I, the kids asleep by that point when we're having dinner. Oh. If we DoorDash, it's a $100 DoorDash every time. I want to pick at things. Um, and what's cool with the online ordering, besides the fact that, you know, it actually brought the tips up, um, because people, I think, feel more like they have to do it uh, because it's right there in front of them. And, like, we can see. <laughs> like, obviously, like, I can see who left the tip. So the person who's giving them a hard time outside is like, can you just throw this in? I'm like, well, they didn't even tip. No. But, like, I'll look. When, something, when someone's trying to get something for free or something out of us, I look yeah. and see if they tipped and, like, if they took care of the crew. If they tipped, I'm like, yeah, give them the extra side of the ranch right now. Like, oh, that per- they've never tipped here? They can pay for the side of the ranch because we sell it. Yeah. You know, things along those lines. So we can see all that. But also with online, you can walk your customer through the order, right? So I can literally, um, with the, the uh, you had the big knish before, right? What's underneath that is, do you want some fries with that? And you're like, okay, click, right? So, um, you know, now you're at $22, $23 between the sandwich and the fries and you haven't gotten a drink yet. So, like, well, I can walk a customer through in that aspect. It's... You know, it's a lot easier than trying to sell people things outside, especially when there's a million cars. What's super interesting about that is when you're when you're using a service like that, you have all the power of like the UX people and the people who've designed that process for that exact reason. So my my coworker actually built Uber Eats. He's literally the guy who started Uber Eats at Uber. Okay, and they spent thousands and thousands of engineering hours figuring out how to do do that which I think is so cool because they know that for it to work you have to be able to make money and the way you make money is by stacking the orders and building margin on them absolutely like, and like know. the add-ons are like huge right so like all the breakfast crunk wraps right underneath them is like do you want sour cream do you want some hot sauce yeah right all of those things and like those things add up and those things help cover you know especially as we were talking about earlier with the prices of everything right now like every dollar truly counts here now like it used to not when we first opened and like like even when COVID hit but inflation hadn't hit right like my numbers looked awesome and like I was still trying to become more profitable I was like okay like that was really good but I feel like it should be a higher number and like right now no matter how awesome, like, I can't tell you how discouraging it is when we'll have a week that's, like, record-breaking and the bank account moved by, like, 500 bucks and I'm dead and I worked 70 hours that week. But, like, everyone else is like, yeah, but everyone else is closing down. At least you can keep going. And I agree with that. But it's it's still frustrating. You know, like, chicken when I opened was 40 bucks a case. I paid 140 a case this week. That's not, like, 40 to no. 60. That's an extra 100 bucks a case, and we'll go through 8 to 10 cases of chicken a week. I realized this week that chicken was cheaper at ShopRite 
So I've been buying up all the ShopRite chicken. Yeah. <laughs> it's cheaper and it's trimmed, so there's less waste. This is this is why all the mothers of West Orange have to tell their children they can't have chicken anymore. It's because of you. Veggie cases, yeah. I gotta make a veggie case. Okay. A crunchadilla, Nick. You gotta show some respect. That's it for you guys. Yeah. But yeah, no, they're getting the family packs every single morning. <laughs> yeah. No, I believe it. At a dollar less a pound and trimmed, right? Why didn't go to Costco? Yeah, if they're like, I'm looking around to see who has it. Like, you know, cream cheese shortages. I'm sure you've heard about. It's been. Like, I never opened a bagel. I mean, I never opened a bagel shop prior, and I never thought that getting cream cheese would be like something I have to worry about on my day off. Yeah. Right. We need to scour Essex County. Let me ask you. So, like, yeah, a North Jersey town, there'll be like a few food uh, places. Can we bring the Monterey Jack, Chris. Yeah. There'll be like every North Jersey town has one or two places that are institutions. When you come in and you get all this buzz, do you feel like, can you feel resentment or are you not even crossing paths with other I don't, people? I don't think I cross paths like Jimmy Buffs, right? Like total institution. I don't think we cross, like we do something, we actually do a bun that's like a Jimmy Buffs style with like the hot dogs and potatoes and peppers and onions in it and all that. Um, I don't think we, you know, we got some crap early with people who were just loyal to Bagel Box or you know, other bagel places around. And like, that's fine. Like, as I've said to you before, like, we're, no, we're, we're nowhere, like, this is the weirdest place ever. I don't know what we are, like, what do you do for a living? When I get asked that, I don't know how to answer that question anymore. Like, I'm about to open the bagel shop, was like what it used to be, and now it's like, I have a takeout restaurant? Like, I don't know what to call it. I don't know what I do. I don't call myself a chef. That sounds like, arrogant. It's like, if you can take, like, are you aware of the psychological condition of mania? Now imagine that, Presenting itself physically as food is kind of what you do. I, I, I gotta think. Of, I gotta re-listen to the podcast and think about that one when it comes. <laughs> any crazy idea? It's like I envision food in my brain that's insane, and then I make it real, and then people pull up in cars and I give it to them. Yeah, I mean that's fair. The thing, it, what a lot of people don't realize, like so, so many people think I plan out a ton of stuff and I don't. A lot of time it has to do with what my wife and I want for dinner that week. Like if we're just in a Mexican mood, I do Mexican here for the week. Um, so many people will be like, you know, it could be Tuesday. They'll message me and they'll be like, Hey, are you doing this on Saturday? And I like literally say to them, like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. That's not a joke. Like I don't, right? Like we sold so much stuff yesterday. It was insane that I had no, like all my specials were gone. I thought I had enough specials for the whole weekend. And I was like sitting here at this table, um, racking my brain of like, what the hell can I make for, for today now? Um, like, I don't really think that far in advance. And it's like, then if I see something cool on like Pinterest or Instagram, I'm like, I want to make that. So. Oh, I got a pasta? So like, I think. You're going to be like a new institution. So Jimmy Buff's Star Tavern. It's going to be like the, when we were talking about like the really? bagel box. The bagel box isn't what we used to go in there. It was metal baskets and like the guy throwing the bagels in off like the, the board. You know what yeah. I mean? So the bagel basket's not what it was. The bagel basket's something different. I'm not saying it's bad or whatever, but it's an institution. So why can't this be an institution here on this part of town or like, I, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, so no, I hope that it West Orange is a changing place. Essex County changes, you know? Yeah, no, and that's like the thing to me is like we would have like killed it in Brooklyn, I feel like. Like this is like a, a Brooklyn type place that would have worked really, really well. And at first people got confused. And like we scare people, I think, to a certain extent. I think like when you look at the local social media groups, like the West Orange ones and stuff, I think the people who like talk smack on this place are just like, it's just overbearing. Like, what do you mean there's no cinnamon raisin? 
they go, why can't they toast it? Like, you're like, what do you mean you got tacos there yesterday? They have rigatoni vodka, that's weird. So I think like it's more the unknown that actually like people kind of get like weirded out by. Um, and we're slowly like teaching people this new way of this online ordering world. Yeah. Like when we do our dinner takeouts, I know I'm jumping a little bit and I'm gonna go back to the institution, but when we've been doing dinner takeout, we do it strictly as pre-order. It's from four to seven PM. You have to order a, like you have X amount of days, but if it's Thursday night by Wednesday morning or by Thursday morning, there's no more ordering. And that could be the way of the future of this stuff if, if prices don't go down because I have no waste and I can be prepared for it. And that's huge. Like when we do those dinner nights, we're doing huge numbers and it's the easiest night in the world because we're prepared. Yeah. I know exactly how many chicken cutlets I need breaded for chicken parm and I don't have to waste any of it. I don't have to throw any of it away and I can make it all fresh for you because of the, I don't have the waste issue and I don't have the, oh my God, 10 more chicken parms just came in. But going back to the institution thing, I think once we do our expansion and we are open for some dinner takeout stuff, I think that's really cool and we are really interested in getting something with a liquor license really close so that I can be in two places at one time. Wow. Wow, it'll be awesome. Yeah. It's so, like old West Orange to new West Orange. Like the demographics changing, you have a different mentality. It wasn't the old townies that had been here for like, you know, generations. Yeah, now you have it, a new generation of West Orange. And those townies want their bagel box, and that's just yeah, fine, right? There. Like, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Like, my prices are different than other places. We all know that. Like, there's times someone pulls up and they're like, yo, let me get two Taylor ham, egg, and cheeses. And, and it'll come inside. It'll be like, don't make those yet because he can tell when this guy gets his receipt, he's going to be like, how much is that? I'm not buying that. And we're pretty good at guessing when the customer is going to. But like we even had someone the other day. I mean, the, the bagel with butter is 350 And the guy was like, absolutely not. Why? That's not unreasonable. I'm like, what's the difference I buy there? bagels all over the state. That's not unreasonable. Yeah. That, that one I found to be weird. I was like, I get the $12 bacon, egg, and cheese. Like, it's huge. That's why it costs what it does. But, like, I get someone being like, wait, it's not six bucks or seven bucks like they're expecting, but they're also expecting yeah. one piece of bacon and one fried egg and this dinky yeah. little sandwich. Um, so that one I can get the bagel with butter. I was like, what do you, what difference were you looking for? Like, 25 cents? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny as you talk about it, too, because I'm like, the idea of a restaurant where you're like, yeah, like it, you might have, it might be Mexican tonight, or there might be Italian dishes, or you might get a knish on a bagel. It might be Jewish. And we're not really sure how to explain it. That's also the entire town of West Orange. <laughs> like that's, how do you explain this place? And you don't really know what you're gonna get on any given day here. That's sort of the most representative of this town you could imagine. You have to make a shirt with something like that. That's brilliant. <laughs> What can I say, man? What can I say? Because there's nowhere fun to drink here. Like, we don't have anything against, like, when you think about, like, what would be in Brooklyn. I'm not a, I've never lived in Brooklyn. I was not even a Brooklyn fan, really. Um, but, like, there's nowhere cool to hang out and drink here and, like, eat this type of stuff. Like, this would kill it. Like, if, if there were multiple bars, like, different sections with different vibes and, like, that is a fun place to hang out, drink, and eat. Um, yeah, because you're going to be drinking, very... and then you're going to be like, you know what, let me get this. I do that all the time. I'll be out drinking, and I'll be like, oh, you know, let's get, we'll just do after tap the whole Yeah, time. well, I, I mean? so I had one concept, which is called the Stock Market Bar, which ended up coming out. One of my investors was like, didn't you have this idea to come this year ago? Yeah, is that, like, there's video screens everywhere, and there's tablets everywhere, which I kind of hate because it's, like, I don't like ordering on a tablet in a place, like, yeah. you're at the airport, and, like, yeah. I that. But the whole idea is that the prices are constantly changing on things, right? So if wings come in, so you order buffalo wings, and I got room in my deep fryer, and they were 25 cents, and now I can bring them down to 20 cents, and you can punch it in. So now become, eating becomes a game. And like next thing you know, you thought you were saving money because you're like getting all these awesome deals, and you spent 100 bucks on yeah. food because you're just like, dude, they're in there, and then the prices are just constantly moving up and down. Um, I think it would be so much fun. That would be really cool. Did you look at the starlight when it shut down? 
I did not. I didn't, I, at that point, I don't know why I didn't even think about that at that point. So I have one of her guys, actually, is my dishwasher when he decides to come to work. He's not here today. <laughs> uh, further reminder about the pasta. Uh, oh, I'm pasta now. Sorry. Go for it. Oh, sorry. I think, like, the idea of, like, West Arms, West Arms has, like, institutions, like, like the bagel box, you know? But I think you could be somebody who likes that institution. And you can still go, you want your you want your bagel and cream cheese, you can go to the bagel box, but there's still a room for this, for places like this. Because you're not getting a falafel sandwich at the bagel box. You know what I mean? So you can still go to those institutions for your tried and true, this is what you like, but then go to these newer places for, for other things. <laughs> what are the institutions, I mean, they're... The Eagle Rock Diner, now the Chit Chat. I heard that's awesome. I went by. the last time to go there after this. You were there yesterday? Nice. It, it's weird. It looks like Transylvania inside. It's like a, it's like a weird big castle. I know they opened that back and you can like sit out, right? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's Jimmy Buffs, it's the Chit Chat Diner. Oh, okay. Probably the Bagel Box. Like, what are the other institutions? That's about it. Now that Pals is gone. Yeah, that, there's really not much else. Maybe like Fortissimo. Maybe. Yeah. Mark and Julie's ice cream, some people might say. They just sold. What? Yeah, yeah maybe Mark. open this week. New yeah. owners? Yeah. Are they still called Mark and Julie's? Yeah, Mark had cancer. Uh, That's yeah. so sad. That's awful. I also found out that Mark's father, like back in like the 70s or 80s, worked for like a toy company. And... He was at a, I, I might be getting this, this wrong a little bit, but like, he was at a trade show in Japan and saw this like idea and he brought over this idea to his company here. And that's how we got Transformers. Uh, Mark's right. father Wait, brought Transformers to the United States. That's amazing. Like when he died, when, he, when his father passed away, um, like there was a write-up in the New York Times about oh, him awesome. and Transformers. So West Orange is why we had Transformers. I'm trying to think of like from the St. Cloud area, like once it was like, I mean, I guess the uh, the Essex house was there for years. Does always kind of yeah, restaurant slash right now that's area. closed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, I, probably uh, people say I think McLoon's is probably there at this point right the what the McLoon's yeah people yes, love that yeah. place now that's a chain though yeah it is I've always had every, every like McLoon's type place that you can have. yeah he's got a couple of them there's one Asbury right Park well the whole like idea of an institution there there aren't really institutions anymore like we used to have because everything is connected online. And what I mean is when you used to want to go to a bagel place, it became an institution because you went to the bagel place that was like closest to you and good. Whereas now people go online and search for bagel, best bagel place and go there. So it's a whole different idea. Like ge- geography plays much less into it than it did like 15 years ago right so institutions don't last where you can right you don't have to leave your house and you can get a bagel from three towns away you know and then so you're good you have more flexibility to get what you want and what you're happy with rather than yeah i always go here because it's down the block think about our neighborhood where did you get a bagel on the sunday where I get a bagel on like if you were gonna get bagels, I use I, I, I probably I think I went to the bagel box. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that was like no, a tribe for us. Yeah, you had to. Yeah, here's a pain. That sounds ridiculous. It's the other side of West Orange. I said it's like the other side of West Orange. So if we're gonna get a bagel on, we live on on Mount Pleasant on Gregory Avenue there. 
you literally had to drive all the way over to here to go get a bagel. I mean, to the other side of town to get a bagel. Because there wasn't a bagel place down near us. What was the closest bagel place in the, in no, the valley? No, that, that was, yeah, yeah, that was it. So, like, like you were saying, Mike, like, our, in, our like, town institutions, not just West Orange, but, like, our town institutions kind of a dying breed. Yeah. They are a dying breed. There's so many freaking bagel places down near me, and they all suck. And these people are like, oh, you have to go to this bagel place. It's the best. I'm like, really not. I've eaten so many bad bagels that I don't know what a good bagel is anymore. Like, when that's happened to you, you'll be like, okay, well, this is the best of, like, the worst. Like, we used to watch the, because we lived on Mount Pleasant, we'd watch, the, like, the buses, the New Jersey Transit buses come down Mount Pleasant sideways. And then the notorious turn at the top of our hill, right by Mount Fuji, when you're coming down the hill. We always joke about, I think we were talking about the one episode where the guy was, uh, the guy who lived on the corner who had the stone wall in front of his house, like in the springtime, he would always be rebuilding the wall because somebody will run through it. It probably saved his house a million times. But why the county or town wouldn't put like a guide rail in front of this poor guy's house? Like amazes me, and you knew when you were coming down. Yeah, but you know, but the best part was on that turn. And I don't know if it still happens today, but like there was always a crack in the road, and the groundwater would be coming out of there, and then it would freeze at night. So when you come down there, if you weren't to the left of like the turn when you're coming around it, you would slide around that turn, hoping that a car wasn't coming up. So you had to know coming down Mount Pleasant when you're going around that turn, right past Mafia Road. Like if you didn't, if you didn't ride it right when you were coming around. You were gonna I mean, like. If you think about it, like you have. It's the it's the worst turn. It's a sharp turn, going downhill. Going down a mountain. Going down a mountain. Yeah, going down a mountain. Yeah, it's not like you know. So it's a sharp turn, sharp line turn, going down a mountain. It's too. With an outcrop. Yeah, it's too. It's with a rock outcrop sticking out. Rocks, and not like rocks on the ground, but like. Boulders. Boulders on one side and on the other side out on top of the like Yeah, it is insane. I don't know if you're still going down there. You know, like. If you drive down there, you see the different walkways that were like cut into the stone, yeah, like yeah. in the stairways. Like I would have loved to have known what that was. Even like when we were kids, we used to run around up there and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And there's the really decorative like stone walls that run all the way around that. So Can that was like, I bet you just came down to it was like probably a boundary line that they could not like, they couldn't take. But that always intrigued me. I'm gonna like drive by there. I'm driving back down Mount Pleasant anyway, so I'm going right by there on the way home. So funny. Right. Just not, like, I can't believe they haven't been able to widen that. I don't think they. There's, no, there's, there's no nowhere solid. to go. There's no, there's <laughs> nothing. But then they, when they did the development, they started developing that south end of it. I guess they've been having problems again with like the rocks falling off of 280. Okay. I know they put all that extra netting over yeah. there, but they said even now it's like still worse. I was talking to guys, like, yeah, they had a problem with like. I was like, it's always been a problem. And then the springtime, you'd see. Yeah. yeah. Um, our union was doing a thing where they were talking about work that they did for years ago and one of them was all these a collection of pictures of like when they were blasting through 280 it was like really cool to see the whole like process how it was and the equipment that they were using back then like it was still at that point it's 1968 ish so they were using like really old conventional cranes there was no like hydraulics at that point like it's pretty pretty neat stuff but it was the only time that an actual train ran through West Orange is when they were removing rock for 280's development. Yeah, but we did have the trolley system and all that, which was cool. I wish they still had something like that. That'd be pretty neat. There's like on, on, on Facebook. Yeah, I have to order food for my husband. Oh, you better order online. Yep, do it. <laughs> because that's how I'm being let back into my home. Ah. 
Not cooking tonight. Oh, you're actually It'd be great after all that we went over the We just ordered this real quick. Yeah, yeah. You do order this right <laughs> Yeah, I, it's totally exactly what I want. Which crumb wrap? Is that bird pipe song? Yes. This is that bird Yes, it is. You watch right, there's a version with Grenadine too. Wait, the WB with Grenadine? Yeah. No, you just missed some funny uh, conversations about why West Orange, why people build certain roads in West Orange on these like extremely dangerous mountains, cliffs, and turns, which make no sense. We've identified a large number of them. Part of Mount Pleasant by Mount Fuji. That's just like a sharp turn down a hill with boulders on one side. Oh, yeah. Which, and it's like a major, major street. It's one of the main thoroughfares of the town and it's horribly dangerous. Okay, everybody, Chris here. Jumping in. Don't pause it. This is the outro, but we got more content after. Don't do the thing everybody does with podcasts where the outro starts so you turn it off. I promise there's some really good stuff still to come. Just wanted to end it and say, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, fly on the wall audio as we have settled into being part of the rhythm of a buzzed about busy bagel shop in North Jersey on a Sunday. We all know what Sundays are like. You wake up, you go, I don't feel like making breakfast. Should we make it a bagel day? Yeah, I'm going to run down to the bagel shop. That's what it sounds like on the other side. That's what it feels like to be someone running a small business, trying to keep it afloat, trying to do interesting, innovative things with it, trying to just keep up with that beehive that you yourself have built. It's a pretty beautiful thing. Thanks to Bagels by Jarrett for having us. Thanks for the production work on this, by the way. Mike D and Carson and Andrea all really got in the trenches and built this one up based on this pile of audio that we found. And those guys, everybody who works producing this show already works so hard behind the scenes every week, but a special shout out to all of them this week. And now we're going to end with something that I think feels obvious. You know, we got to look at what it was like to be at Bagels by Jared. We got to hear what it was like, the hustle and bustle of that Sunday as it unfolded. But we'd be remiss if we didn't follow up, talk about the food itself a little bit more. So now we're going to get some after-the-fact audio from all of us who were there talking about some of our favorite items that Jared shoved in our faces in mass quantities as we sat at a weird little plastic folding table in the middle of his business in our good old hometown of West Orange. Of all the things that Jared at Bagels by Jared was kind enough to cook for us, and he made us some amazing, inventive, and creative things to eat while we were there. But the thing that I want to talk about that was my favorite was the bagel. I mean, it seems obvious. It's called Bagels by Jarrett, so you expect the bagels to be amazing. And and they were absolutely amazing. I'm a huge bagel fan. Bagels and pizza are my two favorite foods. And pizza bagels. I once convinced one of the largest tech companies in the world to actually use making pizza bagels as a metaphor for an advertising campaign for their product. Um, 
that's semi-related, but I won't go too deep into that. But let's talk about the bagel because, so Jared brought us out an everything bagel with veggie cream cheese, which is my second favorite combination of bagel. My first being sesame bagel with veggie cream cheese. This is one of the best bagels that I've ever had in my entire life. And I have eaten bagels around the world. See, the thing about bagels are it's really easy to make a mediocre bagel it's nearly impossible to make a perfect bagel. This is a perfect bagel, and I'll tell you why. In my opinion, the secret of a perfect bagel is in the height. You see a lot of these bagels floating around, and they're very high. They're two, three inches, four inches high. They almost look like mini loaves of bread. This is not that. The bagels at Bagels by Jarrett are the appropriate height. They are not too thick. And because they're not too thick, It does that thing where the outside skin is hard, but the inside is soft and dense. And to me, that is the secret of a perfect bagel. Jarrett has nailed the height of a bagel. The veggie cream cheese was fantastic. He cuts the pieces of veggie small, so they're chewable, so you don't get these giant chunks that ruin the texture of the bagel, but at the same time, they're big enough so that you can identify what's in that veggie cream cheese, which I think is important. You gotta understand what you're eating. And you know, I was thinking about bagels and I wondered, why do bagels have holes? It, it doesn't seem to make sense, especially, you know, Traditionally, you're making bagels by hand, so a person has to make it into a ring and have that hole in it. So I was curious, so I I did a little bit of research, as I like to do, and I found out the reason that bagels have holes is the most practical thing in the world. They have holes so that you can tie them to a string or put them on a stick and carry them to market to sell them. Genius. So not only is a bagel the perfect tasting food, It's completely practical for being easy to transport and sell at market. And I've got to say, if you want to have one of the most killer bagels, definitely, uh, I was about to say head on down, but as you'll hear on the show, order online, go pick up your bagels from uh, Jarrett down in West Orange. I got to say, I'm not blowing smoke, man. Everything I ate was good, was above average, was a great version of whatever I was being handed. And it's tough. It's tough for me to even think back to that day and what what the best thing was. But I got to say, if you really put the screws to me, there was this thing called the Big Knish. They had me a Knish on a sandwich. The Knish was the middle part of the sandwich. It's, it was wild. It was, it, it blew my mind. It was hands down easily one of the best things I've ever had. Not one of the best things I had that day, just one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. And as a vegetarian, I was greatly appreciative. I'm going to be thinking about that sandwich for a really long time. And I know when I go back to Bagels by Jarrett next, I'm going to aim for a day when they got that on the specials list because, God damn, it was good. Okay, Captain's Log, April 16th. Seaside Heights Boardwalk, riding the beach in Comer, beach cruiser. Uh, doing a review of Jarrett's Bagels in West Orange. What can you say? I'm currently riding up and down the boardwalk. There's no good bagels here. I have only had one bagel elsewhere since being at Jarrett's. And the terrible reminder of the fact that you just can't get a really good bagel everywhere in New Jersey as much as people want to say it is. But it was absolutely delicious. Uh, Jared is full of energy, 
enthusiasm, passion, all rolled into one, uh, doing an amazing, completely abstract kind of thing for West Orange up there, which is something we talked about, but killing it. And um, my gosh, what else was good there? Also, I liked everything, but I'm a big chicken, like a fried chicken guy, so the, the fried chicken sandwich, what was it called? I can't remember, but it was very delicious. The Impossible Whopper, or no, the lawsuit. It's the lawsuit. That's what it was. Anyway, fantastic. Uh, look forward to going back up there again. <clears throat> Hopefully I'll get out of this wind in a second and I'll uh, <laughs> try and make a better recording. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D., and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the world, where New Jersey is the world.